When you think about the study, I'm just going to review just for a few minutes. When you think about the study that we've done starting last semester and carrying over, we had a few things that kind of came, that uh, were a little bit extra during the fall, and so we didn't, we weren't able to finish all 14 of these lessons, and that's why it's carried over into the spring. Uh, <clears throat> the study that y'all talked about, when we asked about what to study, you wanted to study this one, and then the second one you wanted to study was temptation. So I'm putting together the 12 or 13 lessons that we'll have this spring on temptation. So it's going to be incredible because it's probably the deal, the thing we deal with the most uh, every day. But when we think about this lesson, this study, relationships in Christ, when you first say it, it doesn't really mean anything. You go, relationships in Christ. But when you think about dividing it into three parts, your relationship with God, your relationship with unbelievers, and your relationship with believers, you realize this encompasses every aspect of our lives. And we spend a, a, a time on relationship with God. And if this is the foundation for everything. If you don't have, and when we say relationship with God, we're not, uh, we're not talking about the fact that you come to know him as Savior. But it is true that that is a relationship, it's an eternal relationship. We're talking about Day in and day out, we might say it the fellowship aspect, but your connection with your Savior as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And we said that the idea was to know Him, the idea was to become like Him, the idea was to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And so we spent a good number of weeks on that. And listen, if you are not having a quiet time every day, and I know that it, it, sometimes something happens and you can't, but your plan and goal ought to be every day, I'm going to spend some time reading the Bible, talking to God, praying, and, and those kind of things. That's not Bible study. That's just quiet time. Bible study is when you sit down, you have a certain time that you're going to dig a passage, or you're going to dig a subject, or you're going to do something. We're talking about a quiet time in which you spend time every day. When I think back about the life of, of Christ, and we saw that <clears throat> there were, there, if, you, if you actually write it down, there's about 53 days listed in the life of Christ in the four Gospels, 53 days, that you see what he did. The busiest day that he had was a day in which he did something early in the morning, came, did something in the afternoon, went into, in the afternoon, went into the synagogue, taught, left there, went to Peter's mother's house, and uh, excuse, Peter's house where his mother-in-law was there, healed her. After that, people came, and they came after, after dark because it was the Sabbath day, and they couldn't travel on the Sabbath day. After the Sabbath day, they all came to Jesus, and he healed every one of them. And it says that he healed each one. It didn't say he stood out and saw this group of people and said, you're all healed, thanks for coming, I'll see you tomorrow. He didn't do that. He took each individual person. There's no telling how long that took. Most understand that that's the longest day in Christ's ministry. It says, very early in the next morning, before light, he was off talking to his heavenly Father. Okay, so if Jesus did his biggest, longest day as far as ministry, and he got up early before the sun rose and met with the heavenly Father, then what does that say for us? How, do we need to meet with him? If you're not having a quiet time every day, you're missing out. You're missing out on this relationship with your Savior and growing in the grace of knowledge, knowing him, becoming like him. And so that's why that first part was so important. Second part was relationship with unbelievers. And we talked about by our words, our deeds, and our testimony, the big three. We have to know the message. And I said, if you're not clear 
on what you tell people on how they can have eternal life, you have to call me. I'll get with you individually. I'll get somebody else to get with you individually. You can sign up for the 412. You can sign up for the 22. You can get trained so that when you go out these doors, you will not hesitate. You will say, I know the message, and I know how to present it, and so I have that confidence that when God brings those people in my life, I can do it. And that's the words. The, the, the works is how you relate to the unbelieving world, and our goal is to touch their lives for Christ, and that's to love them, serve them, be there for them, and, and build a relationship in which we can share our faith. The last thing was testimony, and that is to be lights in the midst of a fallen world, that we got to grow, and, and as we go into this community, people know who we are, and they know that we love God and we love others. We love God, we love ourselves, and we love others. That's the second part. That's important. Then we got to the third part, and that is relationship with fellow believers. And when we talk about that, we said that, that everybody needs to have a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. And the Paul is somebody that's further along, that's training you and helping you grow. Most Christians, let's just face it, most Christians, after they trust Christ, most of them do not grow. The Bible says, as a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow by it. And that whole, and in fact, it goes on to say that you may grow in your salvation. And it's not talking about eternal life salvation, it's talking about Christian life salvation. Many, many Christians trust Christ. They trust Christ as Savior. It could be when they're 12. It could be when they're 20, 18, 25. And if you go 20 or 30 years later, they haven't grown or developed hardly any. That's because of two things. One, the churches are not teaching the Bible, and the churches are not discipling. And when I say the churches, I'm talking about the believers within the church must be making disciples. And so, first of all, we got to have somebody in our lives that is discipling us, helping us grow. Now, we try to do it from the pulpit. We try to do it right here. We try to do it in the SBI classes. We try to do it in Bible studies. For each one of us, the same way. Who in your life is a little further down the road that you can meet with and they can be your Paul? That's what we talked about. You ought to have a Paul. Second, we talked about a Barnabas, which is the person that encourages us. And I'm going to tell you, in this church, there are a lot of Barnabases. We are one of the greatest encouraging church I've ever seen. That there are people in this room that are always encouraging me. Always. There are some times that it's, and God knows exactly when to bring you into my life, but you'll come, you'll say something, you'll do something, and you encourage me. God also, I, I don't know if you realize this, but our website and our messages online, they're going all over the world. We hear from people all over the world almost every day. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Almost every day, somebody from some part of the world says, thanks for this ministry. We're listening to these messages. We're doing this. It, it's, it's, so that's a great encouragement. We now come to the third part, which we spent a good bit of time on last week. And it is, I think, the key to all of ministry. And that's a Timothy. That's where you take what you've been taught and you teach other people. Now, we're not talking about gift of teaching. Gift of teaching is a person that they've got that spiritual gift and they love to put together messages and stand up and teach and do all that. And you find that in our classes. You find that, that we're talking about you taking the truth that you know, that you've been taught, and, or that you've studied, and, put, and you help somebody else gain these truths. That's why we have what we call the 412. 
The 412 is called 412 Foundations. If you have been through the 412, you're supposed to be able to take somebody else through the 412. And so if all of you, if I said, raise your hands if you've had the 412, probably most of you in this room have had the 412. So my next question would be, who are you taking through the 412 or taking through the things you're learning? And so the bottom line is a Timothy. Having a Timothy is key. And we're going to see it like that on a slide later on that says this whole idea of discipleship, that is the key to ministry and it is the key to growth. It's the key to growth in two ways. It's the key in your growth. If you're going to grow as a believer, and you're going to have to know it so you can pass it on. And if you actually believe that you're supposed to pass it on, what are you going to do? You're going to study it, grow it, put it together so, so that when you're ready, you can help pass it on. All of us in this room are ready. We don't think we are. We say, oh, I just need another Bible study or I need another one of these. Well, you don't. You're ready. You know truth. You can pass it on. So it'll help you grow. But the second thing is when we are leading people to Christ and then training them and equipping them, we will grow spiritually as a body and then ultimately we'll grow numerically because we'll be reaching out into our community, leading people to Christ, bringing them in and training them. That's why it's so important. Last week we talked about it. And what I got, I got incredible feedback from last week. My grow group, my grow group, we talked about it. We talked about the whole idea of, of that each one of us is supposed to be out there and reaching, leading people to Christ and then training them and equipping them. Then uh, I, I talked to Brian. Brian said his grow group, they talked all the way through it. I talked to somebody else and they said our grow group spent the whole time talking about how we could do it. My Thursday morning group of guys, I was supposed to start them on a little study. We never got to it. We spent all Thursday morning talking about making disciples and reaching people for Christ. So I'm hoping that we're all going to go, wow, we, we need to do something. If we really want to make the impact that's going to change our church and change this community, it starts with every one of us saying, I'm going to be a disciple maker. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, apply it in my life, and then I'm going to pass it on to somebody else. And that means leading people to Christ. And, and as we said, being a disciple, there, there are people in this, in, this, in this group and in our church that you could disciple and help them go to the next level where they can do the same thing. So here we started last week, and we said, why do we have a Timothy? What do we look for in a Timothy? What, what's the plan? What are we to do? And I just, th this is what we did. And if you remember last week, we, we, and I'm going to go really quickly through this, uh, why, do we, why do we have a Timothy? Why do we have, well, first of all, it's commanded. This is the thing that we don't grasp. We act like whenever we were to do something like talk to somebody and share our faith or disciple somebody or help somebody, we act like that's the super Christian. That's what I've had people sum up and say, yeah, that, you know, there's certain people, they, they're the super Christians, they do this. This is not super Christians. This is every Christian. This is what we're supposed to be doing. It's commanded to make disciples, leading people to Christ and training them and equipping them. And if we're not doing this, if we're not doing it, it's evangelism and training. If we're not doing this, uh, we're failing because we, we must be a disciple before we can make disciples. We must have a disciple before we can make disciples. So this is what we saw last week. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. The second reason that why I have a Timothy is to continue the message and ministry of Jesus Christ. And we spent this time and said Christianity is one generation from extinction. It is. If nobody told anybody, the next group doesn't know and the next group doesn't do that. And I told you last week, already our culture has gone from 13% five years ago saying that they're the nuns. That means they don't believe anything. 
They say, we don't have a, a group. We're not religious. We're not, we are nuns. The nuns are now up to 26% of our culture. That's a fourth of the people that you come in contact with are not going to say, well, I believe in God, or I believe this, or I go to church. A fourth of them are going to say, I don't believe anything. We've got to reach these people because if we don't, if you go around five or six more you know, times, we're going to be just like Europe where 1% of the population goes to church, 1%. In the United States, the last poll, 74% of people in the United States said they believe in God and go to some kind of church. But now, look at the figure, 26% already saying, we don't hold anything. So, we're one generation away. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to, to, to do it. We've got to continue it. Jesus said, make disciples. Jesus said, be my witnesses. We, we're going to have to do that. Remember the process. We'll talk more about that later. But Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful people, faithful people to others. In this room, some of you, maybe, maybe I'm your Paul. Let's put it this way. Maybe I'm your Paul and I'm teaching you and helping you get ready. Then you're the Timothy, okay? Then where's your Timothy? Where's the faithful people you are teaching so they can teach others? That's the plan. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to keep that thing going. And uh, so why have a Timothy? It's commanded and to continue the message. If you look in your handout, well, now look, what do you look for in a Timothy? Well, it's very similar that when you say, what do you look for in a Paul or somebody's going to disciple you and all that? It's the idea that you're going to be spending time with this person. It's, it's not just some kind of formal thing. It's merely a friendship thing. It's that idea, and you're looking for that kindred spirit, somebody that matches you, that kindred spirit. And we talked about it, where Paul said to, about Timothy, he said, I have nobody else like him. He matches me. I love getting with him. Who in your life that you spend time with could you get with and say, let's go through the 412. Let's go through the 2-2. Let's go through this one for God. Let's go through that angel study that we're putting together. Or let's go this study on this. And Because we've got tons of studies. One of the goals that I have for the next two years is we've got probably... 15 studies that with a little bit of work, well, let me say it this way, a lot of work, they can all be in the same format as the 412 and the 22. I mean, a bunch of studies, studies on different topics, sort of how we have the, we have the finance study, we have the discipline for godliness study, we have the, the uh, 412 Christian life study, we have all these studies, and, and you could have access to any of them that you want to use to help disciple other people. So, but you need somebody that you match. So let, me, let me just say this. Sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, find me a Timothy. And I say, well, I could make some suggestions, but you know, I can't find you a Timothy. I can't, it's gotta be somebody that you connect with. It's not somebody that I just say, okay, Susie, I found somebody for you to meet with. That may not work, okay? So what you have gotta do, it's not appointed, but discovered. The person that you want to get with and share with and grow with and help train them, that's not something that somebody just comes up and says, okay, you're going to be with this person and you're going to be with this person. It doesn't work that way. It's got to be somebody that is in your sphere of influence and you, you, you grow to be closer to them and you say something like, hey, you want to start meeting Thursdays uh, at lunch and uh, uh, we, can, we can go through the, the, I can take us through the 412. And there you are discipling somebody. It's, it's a choice. It's a choice you make. If you don't decide to do it, you'll never do it. And so that's why, it, what, what we look for. We look for somebody in that sense. Now, here's the second thing, and you've heard me say this before, and I'm looking at the clock. We're almost out of time. So I thought we'd get further than this, but I talked way too much today. Here's what you're looking for. You're looking for 
a fat person. And when I say fat person, I don't mean it bad at all. I mean a faithful, available, and teachable, okay? I want to get through this part, and we'll stop, and then, and then next time we'll get through the rest of it. But look at this. You're looking for somebody that's faithful, available, and teachable. Faithful that they're there. Okay, 1 Corinthians 4, 2 basically said it is required of stewards to be found faithful. The key to ministry is faithfulness. When you stand before Jesus Christ, what's he going to say? Well done what? Good and what? Faithful. He doesn't say successful. He didn't say successful at all. I have a good friend that with Campus Crusade, he was in Slovenia for 12 years. And in the course of 12 years, he saw four people trust Christ. It's a really hard culture. They are the kind that even if they trusted Christ, they won't go tell anybody else that. He had four people that trusted Christ that would tell other people. There may have been others, but he saw four. Okay, when he stands before Christ, is God going to say, well, you were a failure? He's going to say, you were faithful. That's all that matters. So if you're looking for somebody that you can disciple, you want somebody that's going to be there. That when you say, let's meet on Thursdays at lunch, you don't go there, and they never show up. And then you call them, and they go, oh, I forgot. And then the next Thursday, they say, yeah, I was going to make it, but, you know, something came up. And then you say, listen, that's not faithful. You want somebody that's going to be there. That's going to be there. The second thing is available. How can you serve if you're not there? How can you grow if you're not there? It's so amazing. I talked about this last week, but they said if you go back 15, 10 or 15 years ago, the faithful believers coming to church came eight out of every 10 weeks. Eight out of every 10 Sundays, they come. Now it's six out of every ten Sundays they come. Used to be that the faithful people came almost every Sunday. Now they come about three times a Sunday. And by the way, as we said last week, if you come, you're the faithful ones, if you come three out of four Sundays and the average Christian now comes once, think how many people come once every two months. And we talked about this last week. If you came to this class once every two months, you get nothing. You get nothing. Right? Because you missed seven lessons. So availability, that's the key. And here's the last one. It's teachable. Never stop growing. By the way, you can learn from anybody. You can even learn what not to do from people. I mean, you can say, I just learned something. Don't do that. Right? So you can learn from anybody. I have to tell you this story. And I've told this to my small groups. I don't think I've ever told it in a big group. But when I first came to Stillwater, it was in the other church... And Prof. Hendricks always said, if I ever come to the church, show me your men. So I knew that my role as a pastor was to disciple the men. Well, at that point in time, there were only nine men in the whole church. And I called them all, and eight of the nine said they would come to a meeting, and it was on Friday mornings. But one of the group was not very, uh, he didn't really want to be there. And when we, we had a table, and the table went this way, and I stood at the end of the table, and there were chairs along the table, and they were all the men, and this man sat right there. And whenever I started to teach, he would turn his chair this way. And what he was saying to the group is, I don't need to learn anything here. I'm just here to make sure everything is okay. You have to be teachable. You never get to a point where you're not teachable. You ha if you ever get to a point where you're not teachable, you will die. You, you already did if you're not teachable. You've got to be where you can say, listen, I'm, I'm never going to stop learning. I'm never going to stop learning. When I'm 95 years old, I'm never going to stop learning. And that's the key. 
So faithful, available, and teachable. Um, quickly, Acts 16. I know time is up. I'm sorry, Brian, time is up. But look at this. In Acts 16, verses 1 and 2, here's Paul. Look what it says. In verse 1, Paul came to Derbe and to Lystra, and there was a disciple who was there. His name was Timothy. His, mo- he was, his mother, uh, he was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. But look at verse 2. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Derby. He had, he had a reputation, a good reputation. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he's called a man with a sincere faith. That's why Paul, Paul said Paul wanted him to go with him. He said, look, I'm going and doing ministry stuff, and I've seen all about you, and I look at you. Would you come be with me? Paul's wanting him to be his disciple. And what did Timothy do? He said, I'd love to go, man. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And that's what we want to do. We're going to stop because, uh, well, that, that's really the end, isn't it? It is. We made it. We made it. Look, okay, why have a Timothy? It's commanded to continue the ministry. What do you look for? Kindred spirit, uh, faithful, available, teachable. So we've got to prepare ourselves to make disciples, and we've got to look for the kindred spirit.